started, like I said, I, there may be a few things that are a little bit out of order. I mean, the basic share was put into order, but there were some things to add afterward, and I'm not didn't, did not manage to place them. So either they'll show up at the right time, or we'll have to have like a. Uh, an, an addendum, yeah, sure. <laughs> like all the various notes, you know, uh, footnotes. Yeah. Footnote one, you know, footnote two. Okay, so I believe we are ready to start mezuzah, which is a big thrill at this point because we've spent a lot of time talking about tefillin, like a lot of time talking about tefillin. For, considering that we're not wearing tefillin, it's really yeah. a, a very long time to talk about tefillin, but worthwhile. Especially once we realize that everything we learn about tefillin gives us insight into things like mikvah and, and well, it'll definitely help us with mezuzah because they're so interconnected and Shabbos and Yontif, so then it's not so. That last ending of that year, I guess it was two weeks ago, um, and then we were so uh, Thrilled. Was this the Ramchal? Yeah, of course. There, everyone's going to say that. It's just I making you feel bad. I was complaining with my grandson about this, this subject. It's so much work on the tefillin, <coughs> and we don't even uh, don't even wear them. And uh, he said, "No, but you are the woman that has to know everything, whatever, even the man, because you can help it. You know what That's it right. is. You cannot just." If you're not it. wearing it, it means you don't need it, because every mitzvah has an effect on yeah. us. If you don't have the mitzvah, it means you don't require that mitzvah to to have perfection. But then. In that case, it's a good idea to know something about it, yeah, since yeah, you want to have the degree of perfection. You don't want to just say, fine, I don't need that perfection. You want to actually achieve it. Okay, so which was the part that you thought you missed? It was right after you said that, that Shabbos was, was a greater, greater mm -hmm. comparing Shabbos with, with the... Well, that was probably it. That was probably what had everyone excited. That much more that it's the same idea, but it's much much less. Tefillin is much less compared to a Shabbos or Yantif, which is why you don't wear tefillin during the week because the Shabbos and Yantif so outshine even that effect. But it's it's necessary. Omnam hadvarim kulam bechol gvulehem shoarim min hachachma haliyona kefima shuyoter naos. Every one of these. Uh, issues is determined and designed and uh, out, not out, uh, delineated uh, according to Hashem's higher high wisdom as being exactly appropriate to what it's suitable for. Once, uh, after the fact that a, a person has made himself, uh, perfected himself by putting on tzitzis and crowned himself with his tefillin, niskenu lo sidre hatfilah He is now prepared for the order of davening, in, which will rectify each thing that needs to be rectified, meaning acting in each level of each olam, each universe, as it needs to be acted upon. He's now prepared to do that. The intention in all of this, to, is to stand it up, to, to make it, I'm just going to see, he doesn't, doesn't really translate it literally, it looks like. To stand all of creation firmly as it needs to be, like to support all of creation. Kol haolamos, all of the universes b'matzav ha'ra'ui, in their correct situation, l'sheyush pabam ha'shefa ha'elyon, in order that they are aligned so that the flow of divine gifts can then pass through and flow down to the lower worlds, ulaham shicha ha'shefa, and to draw down that influence, milfanav yisbarach, from before him, May he be blessed, Alehem, towards us, Kifi Hamad's Tarech, according to our needs. Was that the paragraph you missed? 
I didn't think I missed that much. I thought that was only a it was, sentence. It was, a, it was a long sentence. It's okay. It was a long <laughs> sentence. I think I probably repeated the paragraph you did here, and that was the end. And that, that was the key point, which we've heard before, but not directly from Ramchal, mm -hmm. which is that now we're ready to daven. That means we're ready to reach in contact with each level of the world and of the universe and in doing that we bring them into their alignment and it really supports the entire world as it should be supported and allows for the flow of divine gift and blessing to the world so next week <laughs> it's a good ending Back to Shema. You told that story about the, um, the, the way the tefillin were wrapped by planes. I, I went home to see, how does Jake wrap his tefillin? It's just, just it. round and around, most people. on both sides. Ooh, really? Yeah, I was surprised. Well, I should, I, you know, I completely forgot. You didn't ask Rabbi Shapiro, did you? I didn't. That's okay. I was thinking I should really do is ask him for a picture yeah. of his tefillin, because I feel quite sure they look just like that. And it's different from, it's like because each each layer just slightly overlaps the one under it. His, his wasn't layered. It's got like this, that. it, was just this, it really looks, you know, I would love, I would love to have a picture of that. I just have to think of asking him when I'm, which I'll think of only when I'm preparing a shear, not during, not afterward. Okay. So. These words, which I am commanding to you today, shall be on your heart. You shall repeat them to your children and speak of them. When you're sitting in your homes, and when you're walking on the way, when you lay down, and when you arise. Ukshartam, you shall tie them, leos al yodecha, as a sign upon your hand, vehayu letotafos beninecha, and they shall be a crown between your eyes. Ukhisavtam, you shall write them, al mezuzos besecha, on the doorposts of your home, uvisharecha, and your gates. Kol sheyeshlo, this is the Gemara in Menachos, kol sheyeshlo tefillin berosho, whoever has tefillin on his head, the tefillin bizroo, tefillin on his arm, vitzitzis bevigdo, and tzitzis on his clothing, umezuzah bepischo, and a mezuzah on his house, hako bechizuk shelo yechta. Sorry, that's not the. That was a broken sentence. Hold on. I think I have here the rest of the quote. Whoever has <laughs> tefillin on his head and on his arm and tzitzis on his clothing and a mezuzah in his doorway, muchzaku shelo yechta. Muchzak, when something has a chazaka, it means more likely than not, to the extent that you can assume it's so. So let's say you have a food, a tomato, Right? You don't need to check your tomato for bugs. You wash it off, it's clean, and you eat it. Okay? Let's say you found a worm. So, ew, that's disgusting. You know, if you're spoiled and rich, you throw the whole thing in the garbage. But otherwise, the normal thing to do is you take the worm out, and you could keep eating the tomato. You don't assume tomatoes are full of worms and bugs, because normally they're not. There is a chazaka. A tomato is muchzak that it doesn't, not infested with anything, because normally they're not. Now, if there would be a second worm, you could still just throw it away. If you find three worms or three bugs in your tomato, this particular tomato, at least, is now muchzak that it does have an infestation. And since it's forbidden to eat bugs and worms, this is a serious thing, and you need to now check very carefully to make sure it doesn't. So if something has a chazaka, it has, a, I don't know if you would call it an assumption, but it's more than an assumption. It's the default. The, de the safe default assumption is the chazaka, because it's almost always that way. Enough that you don't have to worry that it isn't that way. Okay, there are some things that are muchzak that they are infested. 
Uh, if something's muksak that it is infested, then you have to prove that it's not. But it works the other way. If something is muksak that it's clean, you would have to prove it wasn't. Otherwise, we'll assume it's clean. Okay? Somebody who has to fill in on his head, to fill in on his arm, tzitzis on his clothes, a mezuzah on his door, he's muqzak that he doesn't sin. We assume he's not a sinner. That doesn't mean he never makes mistakes, but you could assume he's not sinning. That's a pretty strong statement. <laughs> well, generally the Mishnah and the Gemara, you know, are pretty comprehensive. This is kind of, you know, that's so so why would that be? The Rambam says again like my notes are out of order. So I'm gonna reach for Alchanan's notes. Thank you, Alchanan. Chayav Adam lehizaher b'mezuzah. A person needs to be careful with mezuzah. A person should be careful to have a kosher mezuzah and to hang it up properly and to pay attention to it. Mipnei shehi chovas hakol, because it is an obligation upon everyone, tamid, all the time. The cult, this is how many mitzvahs apply to everybody at all times? All times. Not so many mitzvahs that apply constantly to everyone. But the mitzvah of having a mezuzah on your doorway applies constantly to everyone. The kolzman shi kones every time a person goes into his house or leaves his house, yifga beyichud hashem he will encounter, he'll run up against God's unity. Every time you walk in and out of the house, what do you see? Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. That, that's what you encounter as you go in and out. Shmo Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You see the unification of the name of God. Ve'yizkor, and that will bring to your conscious mind Ahavaso, your love of him. Vi'ur mishnaso, and suddenly, you know, you, you're just running out the door and say, oh, there's one God in heaven and he influences us everywhere and he loves me and I love him. That will awaken you from your slumber. Right? You're just like distracted, you're running out, you're not focused. This will awaken you from your slumber. And all your stupid mistakes that you make and time-wasting stuff. Because it grounds you again. You know, you're running out, you're running in. Who knows what you were seeing outside, thinking outside. You got involved in your business. And this grounds you back again and says, no. And before you leave your house, you know, you're running out. And who knows what distractions at home and, and complications and petty things. You're like, well, the big picture is that there's one Hashem and there's only one and he's in control of everything and he loves me and I love him. So it will awaken you from your slumber and all your stupid mistakes and errors and time wasters. And when you see the mezuzah, you know Meaning it reminds you and, and you realize that there's nothing that lasts forever and ever except knowledge of Hashem, the solid rock of the universe. That we get so distracted and, and small things seem important and that can mess us up. And we get focused on the wrong things or we get worked up about the wrong things. And then the same thing can happen on our way in, on our way out. As we make these transitions, then we suddenly are, are brought back to a stop for a moment to say, there's really only one thing that matters and there's only one thing that really lasts. Everything else is temporary. But it's interesting that he doesn't point out that the only thing that lasts is Hashem. 
says the only thing that lasts forever is our knowledge of Hashem. I mean, this is something of us that can last forever. Umiyad, and then immediately, Huchoser Ladaito, a person comes back into his senses. <laughs> right? Like we're so. <laughs> It's a very realistic Rambam. Miyadu Chozel died. A person comes back to his senses. The holich bedarchi mesharim, and will walk on the straight path. He'll do, he'll do what's right. Amru chachamim harishonim. The early sages have taught us. Kol mi sheyeshlo tefillin berosho uvizroo. Whoever has tefillin on his head and his arm, v'tzitzis bevigdo, and tzitzis on his garment, u'mezuzah bepischo, and a mezuzah in his doorway, muchsaku shelo yechta, he is presumed not to sin. Shehari yeshlo, so now he's answering the question, because he has mazkirin rabin, many reminders. He's got... <laughs> He's got secretaries, he's got guards standing around to remind him of what's important and what really matters and what lasts. The tzitzis, the tzvillin, and the mezuzah are God's divine messengers. He sends special angels to protect us. They're called a mezuzah and a tzvillin box and a tzitzis string. Right? These are malachim, these are angels that Hashem has sent to surround us and protect us and save us from sinning. As the Pasuk says, um, God's messengers encamp around those who are God-fearing to save them. Blessed is Hashem, and then he continues it back in his own words, blessed is Hashem who comes to our aid. Because that is, that is a kindness, right? To, to remind, so now, you know, isn't it enough Hashem told us how to achieve eternal life? Shouldn't it be our business to then stay on top of the situation? So it, it's a kindness, it's a tremendous kindness for him to also tell us, okay, here's how you could remember. Actually, there's a very nice barbanel over here also. That Ochanan put. We'll start sort of to, to start with the most shot, right? Uh, that's fair to say, but the most tangible. The barbanel says, you know, what does a person do if he really doesn't want to forget something and doesn't want it to be at the mercy of his, you know, perhaps faulty memory. So he says, really, if something is vital, a person doesn't usually forget it, if his, if his senses, if his intelligence is working properly. So most people will not forget to eat. They won't forget to nourish their body with food at some point. And most people will not forget to go and eliminate that which is left after they've eaten their food. Most things that are related to keeping a person alive, it doesn't mean that he'll always be able to do them, but he says as long as his, his intelligence and his physical strength is not taken away from him, he's not going to forget, he doesn't, right? So the Barbara was saying, Hashem is telling you that it's just as important to remember the, the fundamentals of spiritual life, of divine life, because this is what will keep you alive. That's why it's so important that you shouldn't forget it. So your body will remind you what you need. Because let's say a person's working really hard and they're really into what they're doing. They're, they're in a very creative session of music or art or any kind of work, really. You can forget. You can just never think about eating or going to the bathroom or having a drink or sleeping because you're so fully engaged. But eventually your body will call you and say, yoo-hoo, hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry, right? At some point the person takes a breath and they realize they're really hungry and they go and they take something to eat. That's how it should be with our divine life. 
And therefore, Hashem has given us things that will call out to us and say, Yoo-hoo, I'm hungry. Okay? <laughs> so these are called the simanim. These are signs that are to remind you so that you won't forget what that which your soul is dependent upon for its continued life. And therefore, the Torah says, tie it onto your arm and put it between your eyes and write it on the mezuzahs of your house. He says, surely you've seen people who want to remember something and it's very important to them and yet they're afraid that they might forget. So what do they do? They tie something onto their hand. They tie it on their finger, you know, like in comics. Or they, they put something around their wrist. If you've ever switched your ring to the other side so that you won't forget something important. Um, he says, or they'll tuck it into their hat, put it on their head. It's, I, think, I think he's also saying it's significant that it's described on your head as between your eyes, meaning put it somewhere where you'll see it, right? If I didn't have my head attached, I might lose it. You've heard people say that. So, you know, if you didn't have your tefillin attached, you could forget them. So put them where you'll see them, which is right on your head. But that's described as between the eyes. And put it on the doorway, in every doorway, right? If you've ever hung a little note or a sign for yourself, you ever put, put a piece of paper on the keyboard of the computer because you're pretty sure you'll go to the computer? So you leave yourself a note there so that when you go by, then it will remind you right? Because on the refrigerator, because you'll probably get to the refrigerator, on the front doorknob so that you won't walk out the door without taking something with you that you needed to take. Um, I, I've never done this myself, but I do know of people who write with soap on the mirror in the bathroom so that they'll remember something when they get up in the morning, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> I think the modern day equivalent is we set alarms. We put alarms in our computer, we put alarms in our phones, they ring, they remind us where we need to go and what we need to do. And that's because that thing is so important to us. It's because it is important to us that we make the reminder. I, I, I don't know if you've ever had someone say to you, if it were really important, you wouldn't have forgotten. You ever had someone say that? That's a really upsetting thing to have someone say, because sometimes something could be really important and you could still forget at least at the time that you needed to remember it. Yeah. Doesn't mean you would forget it. I mean, otherwise, why would we write notes to ourselves? When we write notes and we give ourselves reminders, it's because that thing is so important, we don't want to forget, and yet we know that we could. So here, Hashem is saying, you could write yourself notes and reminders. But the notes and reminders are, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. The notes and reminders are Shema. So one of the things I want to talk about, since we, we have talked, well, let's see. I'll move this. Let me just move this note. Sorry. There's a couple different aspects of mezuzah that I want to get to. Some of them are in comparison with the tefillin. And some are just mezuzah by itself. Okay. This is a Yalkut Shimoni. Don't worry, I'm going to... Uh, no, I'm not doing that one. Sorry, that's the beginning of the paragraph. But You shall write them. Okay? The construction is U and Chsav, which is Tichtov. You should write Tom, them. So the Medrash is saying, because it says you shall write them, it's linking together 
all the words that the Torah is telling you to put into the mezuzah. They depend upon each other. They're all one mitzvah. Since they are all one mitzvah, then they are ma'akev zo That means if one of them is not right, or is missing, or is spelled wrong, or the letter isn't formed according to the definition of the letter being formed, then the whole mezuzah won't be kosher. Arba parshio So you remember we had this idea with tefillin that they are not ma'akev each other, meaning an arm tefillah is a mitzvah and a head tefillah is a mitzvah. And even if you don't have both of them, you still have the mitzvah of the one you've got. And that's because they each have a separate clause. One is put it on your arm and one is put it on your head. However, because it says uchsav tam, you shall write them, which is referring to the words of the Torah that you're supposed to write in the mezuzah and the tefillin. And since they're lumped into one word, write them, it means that if any of them are missing, either because the word is completely not there or because the word is halachically not there, let's say two letters have been merged together to form an interesting design, but it isn't really either one of those two letters or both of them, then it's as if the letter isn't there then it doesn't work. It's puzzle. So they're ma'ake. So the principle is because what, if something has its own commandment, then it stands on its own as a mitzvah. But if it's together in the commandment, then they rely upon each other to form the whole, to form the mitzvah. Just, oh, sorry, I'm still organizing here. Put that there. Sorry? No problem, you know where they are. There are two boxes. One is the mini notes and one is, like the flags, and one's the notes. Okay. Okay, Rav Tzadok HaKohen, in the Haggadah, you found one? Yeah. In the Haggadah of Pesach, on Makas Bechoros. The Haggadah on Pesach was not written by Rav Tzadok. He didn't write a parish on Haggadah so much as people collected his Divrei Torah that go on various words in the Haggadah and put them together. So on Makas Bechoros, he says... What, what's going on if Hashem is coming and he's going to wipe out the firstborn of the Egyptians? Why do the Jews need to slaughter the... Okay, they need to have a korban Pesach, fine. They're going to have a, a Pesach sacrifice. Okay, they've got the sheep, they're going to slaughter it, they'll roast it, they'll eat it. Why do they have to put the blood on the doorpost? So often you'll hear the answer, like that, that identifies the house, right? They put the blood on the doorpost, it identifies the house. The thing is, to whom are we identifying this house? So in some circumstances, a person might have answered, well, from the Malach Amaves, or from a destructive force that Hashem has sent to do this killing. You know, you could ask the question, why did Noah have to build a teva? Why did he need an ark? Mm -hmm. I mean, it could have rained all around him, and he could stay home. Why does he have to move into it? <laughs> really? <laughs> right? Build a big pen, all the animals can climb in. And, and why, why do you need the teva? Because once, so one principle is that when chaos is released, when, when destruction is released into the world, that can end up touching people. Meaning even someone who's righteous might not be perfectly righteous, and that opens up a, a vulnerability to destruction if it's let loose in this huge way. But that doesn't make, that's not a possible answer. 
when it comes to Makas Bechoros, because the Torah makes it really clear, Ani, I will come and make retribution on the Egyptians. And when we read the Haggadah, we even read the sages interpreting, I am not an angel, I am not a saraf, right? Hashem, <laughs> Hashem made it really, really clear he did this himself. There was no separate force sent out as a messenger of God. Hashem did makas bechoros. Well, Hashem knows perfectly well who's Jewish and who's not Jewish. He doesn't require any labeling on the doorway. So this is the question that, that Rav Tzadok is coming with. This was the fear of the Jewish people. They were commanded not to leave the doorways of their homes during that time. And they required the blood of the Korban Pesach to protect them. But that's difficult to understand because that suggests that there's some kind of uh, autonomous destructive force happening, which, chas v'shalom, which could have affected them. But that, how could that be? Because if the reason that the Mitzrim are being killed is because of their sins, that they didn't want to let the Jews leave Egypt, well, the Jews, that's not their fault. They, they didn't want to be enslaved. Well, that shouldn't be held against them, and there should be nothing for them to fear at all. And this Makkah was brought by Hashem's hand directly. He says, Anivalo Malach, right? Vehikesi. So you can't just say that there was some destructive force out there. So he says, since Hashem has made it very clear that this is Hashem himself acting, then we must understand it to be telling us that what was happening in Makas Bechoros was not a bad thing, it was a good thing. This isn't destruction tearing around, this is Hashem, which means it's only something good. Okay, not that there is such a thing as bad outside of it, but there are things that are bad for a person, let's say. Let's say a person, well, you know, the sort of classic idea of punishment, which I think the more you explore it, the more you realize the normal translations of punishment don't make sense because of vindictiveness, you know, to hurt somebody for what they've done wrong, which doesn't build anything. It's purely destructive. So he actually says, and this is, for us, it's a little bit of a side point. He says that it was the revelation of God in Mitzrayim that killed the firstborn. That, and this is a topic we've talked about more in the Parsha Shir than in the Davning Shir, that people are not wired to handle the spiritual voltage of revelation of God completely. Each person can only handle so much and the more refined and the greater and purer a person becomes, the more they can handle. But there's always, with the exception of Moshe Rabbeinu at least, and even with Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem draws the line, right? It was this last week's Parsha, <laughs> right? Moshe Rabbeinu says, show me your glory. Hashem said, well, I'll put you in a rock, in a cleft in the rock and shield you, and then you can see me from the back. Like, even, even with Moshe, there is a line drawn during his lifetime. A person cannot see, cannot experience a total revelation of God, or whatever that means. There's no such thing. Hashem is infinite. There could be no total revelation. But an extreme, revel, an advanced revelation of God, and live. It's too much spirituality for the time that a person's soul is still in their body. So he goes on, Rav Tzadok has an explanation. His focus here is on the, the meaning then of the firstborn, <coughs> why that might affect the firstborn more than anybody else.
But the Jewish people is also a firstborn. We're b'ni b'chori Yisrael. My, in Shmos, right? My firstborn son. We, we are God's firstborn child among the nations. Which means that this added, he, he's tying this whole idea into the idea of the b'chor, the oldest child, having an extra, um, an extra ability to do spiritual service, like as a kohen. B'chor would be a kohen. So that added ability also is an, it's an opening for spiritual, for spiritual connection. But for someone like an Egyptian who's very low, that degree of extra spiritual sensitivity will blast the mitzri right out of his body if he's a bechor. But the Jews, on the other hand, are also sitting there in Mitzrayim when there is this huge revelation of Hashem Shekhinah in Mitzrayim. Uh, by the way, this was helpful to me because we talk about the revelation of God in Mitzrayim, and yet it, it's hard to know where, where was, I mean, it was the Makos, like, right? But where do we see that there was, it's not like at Har Sinai where it's kind of explicit. And Kriyas Yamsuf, where it's sort of explicit, Zekeli Van Vehu, they're having a prophecy. Where is the revelation everyone's talking about in Mitzrayim? And it sort of seems like it's right here that, that Rav Tzadok is showing. This, the Makas Bechoros itself was the revelation of Hashem Mitzrayim. That this revelation of holiness was made also to the Jewish people. But they were Kadosh, they weren't Tameh. They weren't like the Egyptians. They, they, in some ways, they were like the Egyptians, but in some ways, they were holy. And therefore, they were able to tolerate it. Their souls did not leave their bodies. And in fact, the opposite, it allowed them as living beings with bodies to cling to Hashem and say, we want to be connected to you. which is profound in the context of saying they're going to come out of Mitzrayim and now they're Hashem's people, right? To have the experience where Hashem's Shekhinah is revealed to them and his Kedusha is revealed to them at whatever degree that was, that's enough for the Jewish people to feel it, be awed by it, and seek to cling to it which, at the same degree which it will blast all the Bechors of Mitzrayim clean out of their skins, and terrify all the rest of the Mitzrayim without quite killing them. This is something that goes in accordance with the Madrega, with the level of each individual person. And a person, in order to, be, to become more elevated, needs to go in a stepwise fashion from one step to the next and climb step by step and become greater. If a person tries to grasp that which his soul is not ready for, then his soul may leave him, which is like Benazai, who tried to see into heaven and died trying to do that. Right? He, was, he was a very great tzaddik, but he, he wasn't really ready for that. He says it was the power of the grasping. The fact that he did grasp it was too much. He wasn't at that level. He says also, I don't think I copied it in here. He says, Nadav and Avihu, the two sons of Aaron. He says that was the same thing. They tried to go do an avoda for Hashem that they weren't, they weren't capable of. Hashem didn't command it to them. They weren't capable. So they go and the fire comes from the Kodesh HaKadoshim and their souls fly away. When Hashem revealed himself at Mount Sinai, we say that he, the first two commandments, each time the Jewish people dropped dead. And Hashem restored our souls to us. He said the next Dibra, we dropped dead again, restored our souls again. Right? It, wa it was too much, but in that case, we needed it. So he, you know, he, he was taking care of it. But that, you don't rely on that. There are other cases where a person overloads on Kedusha 
seeking to see something that they're not ready for. This is the principle. This is why we say, you know, you could go through your whole life, you don't have to learn Kabbalah. It's okay. That's very powerful stuff. To, you know, people are so curious. They want to understand. Ooh, I want to understand, you know, how the genetic structure of the world is controlled at the level of Yitzira. You know, we've been talking about Olam of Yitzira, all of this, but we don't understand how it works. We're just understanding that it's there because we need that foundation to understand the structure of davening and the structure of our body, that we have a body and emotion and intellect and each of these are working on a different level. That's not the same as seeking to understand the mechanics and try and make it useful to what we think. So, you know, there's a world is full of stories of people who sought to enter areas of Kabbalah that they had no business getting to. They weren't, they hadn't gone, as he says, ni madrega le madrega, from one step to the next, gradually building themselves up, becoming stronger, becoming more holy, becoming more righteous to be able to handle that. The alkane, therefore, hutzrechu lahagonas dam pesach al mashkov umizuzos. Therefore, the Jewish people required the protection of the blood of the Korban Pesach on the lintel and on the doorposts. Ki hadam hu hanefesh. There's a verse in the Torah that says that the blood is the soul. The nefesh is the animating soul, right? It's the degree of soul that is interactive with our body. It connects the spiritual to the physical, and that's what allows the body to live. And the Torah says that that is manifested in the blood. I don't know exactly what that means, that the, the nefesh is in the blood. And the blood, you know, permeates to every cell in the body in order to nourish it. In some way, the blood carries the nefesh. Kasher makriv nafsho l'ashem yisbarach, zeudina l'mitzrayim v'rachem Yisrael. When a person is willing to give up his soul for God, This, that will be the degree of kedusha of holiness that is midas hadin for the mitzvim and rachamim for the Jewish people. That the same action the same action can serve as a din for one and a rachamim for the other. He says, this is the, the Jewish people's response to the revelation of Ma, during Makas Bechoros. The revelation of the Shekhinah was to cling to it. That was the reaction. It wasn't necessarily taught to them, but that was their reaction. Oh, it's Hashem all this time, right? He's acting directly. It isn't an Avodah Zara, and it isn't a magic trick, and it isn't Moshe, and it isn't Aaron, and it... It is in Paro, it's Hashem, and their souls were raised up to try and cling to that. And we see that the same kind, and with the Mitzrim, the Mitzrim, their body is holding back because the body is so tame, and therefore the body and soul separate. And we see that this kind of reaction happens again at the giving of the Torah. When Hashem said, do you want to accept the Torah? And he went to each nation. And each nation said, what's in it? Oh, I can't overcome my Torah. Hashem says, well, it says, don't, don't kill. And the nation says, yeah, but this, like, that's what we're known for. right? This, our forefather was the ultimate killer. Don't steal, but we're a nation of robbers. Don't don't uh, have immoral relations. Oh, come on, anything but that. Okay, what you had there was the body, the taiva, the cravings, saying, I can't let go of the taiva. I can't let go of the craving in order to accept the Torah. That far, I can't go. The Jewish people were told, do you want to accept the Torah? And said, yes. They didn't stop and say, do I have a taiva? Do I have a physical pull or craving that is going to be impinged upon? And I don't want to let that happen. Instead, they just said, yes. 
They, it's the difference between can I let go of myself to cling to Hashem or am I hanging so tight onto my physical wants and needs that I can't set that aside for the sake of Hashem. Okay, so first of all, we're starting to understand then how this ties in, obviously mezuzah, because they're putting the blood on the mezuzahs, right? Sort of the first mezuzahs, right? As we know them, only ours aren't so bloody. Yeah. But it also helps us understand this concept of a mezuzah, what that's doing in Shema. Shema is Mesiris Nefesh. It's being willing. It's saying, really, there is no power other than Hashem. Revealing that within ourselves, to ourselves, to the greatest degree we can. Our reaction to that being, loving Hashem, to cling to Him, and being willing to give up anything in order to have that happen. Nothing is worth having without being able to cling to Hashem. So coming back around now to the end of the first paragraph of Shema, we see that the commandment regarding the mezuzahs is an echo of that same commitment originally. That, that, that gut reaction, which is part of the... This is part of the privilege of being part of the Jewish nation, is to have that within you, to be able to say, I can put myself aside for Hashem. That's how much I want to be close to Him. So the sad thing is when people feel that that's a burden. Right? They're, well, you expect me not to have this and not to do that, and oh, oh, all right, complaining, it's too much, it's a burden, rebelling. It's because you're missing the key part, which is that desire to cling. If you don't understand that, then, then oh, 613 mitzvahs instead of seven, that seems like a very big change, right? But if you're approaching it from the point of view of, oh, revelation of Hashem, that, ah, I want to be close to that. That's what I want. Everything else is incidental and secondary. It's nice. It's nice. It's okay. It's good. But it's secondary. So this is the advice so that they can accept the revelation of the Shekhinah without losing their lives. Adaraba. When a person is, is struck by inspiration of Hashem's revelation, then if he's able to fully go with that and not feel that he's pulled by his taivas, not only will his soul not leave his body, he will be infused with a new degree of life. Because there will be added to his liveliness, lifeliness, the, the vitality of the Devekas with Hashem, who is Elohim Chaim, the living God, right? We talked about that with Baruch HaOlamim, where Chaim is the aunt being able to put out like a mayim chayim for a mikvah, right? The water that continually flows and produces, it doesn't just sit. So what is it that a person has to do in order to be able to be inspired and instead of having the inspiration weaken him, have the inspiration strengthen him. It is being able to bring as a korban. Now, we know that bringing as a korban means, on the one hand, being able to kill it, and on the other hand, drawing near. Right? So it's, it's saying, you're not the source of life, but I wish to use you to draw near with. All of his... All of his strengths, all of his capacity, all of his vitality and natural gifts that are embedded within him. And to dedicate those to God. 
when you say, I have this talent to sing or to design or to think or to write or to eat or to cook, and I'm dedicating that to Hashem, then what you've done is you've taken it and you've directed even your taivas to serving Hashem, even those things that pull you passion. You know, there are people who are very passionate, and they manage to turn that into serving Hashem. Loving God. Doesn't have to go love every, every slut out in the street. He could go love God. There are people who know how to do that and, and not know. They work on it. When you do that, your taivas are serving Hashem. Your powers and your vitality, even of your physical life, are directed to serving Hashem. Then life will be added to you physically by nearness to God. Because there won't be a paradox or a contradiction between your physical and your spiritual life. Right? If the paradox gets too big, they can't possibly live together. Instead, you bond them so that they're both heading in the same direction, which again, harkens back, with both of your hearts, your Yetzirah and your Yetzirah Tov. This is the root of the holiness of Knesset Yisrael, of the Jewish congregation, and this is the root of their vitality, of their life force. The entire life force of a Jewish person is only awake and alive when he realizes clearly that he has no power of his own. All of his powers are actually from God, and therefore he gives that all over to God. Rav Tzadok HaKohen. Rav Tzadok of Lublin. It's a very, very deep idea, right? The difference in how we approach our abilities and our passions and our capabilities and our life and our time and our resources. Are we saying that they are, the, and they are me? In which case, how can you ask me to give myself up? I think it also provides a lot of insight into people. Right? When you see that as yourself, I am intelligent, I am musical, I am free, I am fun, then you're asking me to give myself up. Everyone would resist that. But when you see what you have, all your capabilities, all your strengths, all your passions, all your interests, as being given to you by Hashem, then you're in a position to say, therefore, I dedicate them to Hashem. And then that nearness of God adds life and adds vitality rather than forcing the body and, and the spiritual side and the physical side apart because they can't cope with each other. Another another wraparound thought, let's say, um, could be if you if we look at the beginning of Shema. It's sort of pure inspiration. Have I convinced everybody by now, by the way, that this is the most passionate romantic paragraph of Dami? Yes, I think you have that idea. <laughs> okay. Just 
checking now that we're near the end. Okay, the it opens with such lofty, you know, Hashem is one, the creator. And what we end with is the same idea, but as seen with action. With the shomrim, right? I think, does the Rambam use that word shomrim even? Like guards, right? These mitzvahs to protect us and to preserve that inspiration and recognition, which is very much that whole process of different olamos and worlds that we're trying to relate to. It's on the one hand, we have to work our way up to high levels of inspiration and insight. And on the other hand, we have to bring that back down into a tangible action in order to preserve it, in order to remember it, right? Keep it in the forefront of our awareness. We need the tefillin and the mezuzah and the tzitzis, right? But here it's tefillin and mezuzah. It's not that we have the tefillin and mezuzah and they will somehow teach us what we need to know. They are, with those straps, with the nails, you know, when you nail the mezuzah, you are locking the Shema Yisrael into your physical world. You're hammering it in where you can see it. It's an important lesson in any time of emotional arousal. Whether it's because of a tragedy or because of happiness or joy, any kind of inspiration, beauty, the feeling of inspiration will pass. Even though at the moment you have it, it feels like it's forever. You have to make an action. It can be a small one. And say, oh, like because of that, I'm going to do some mitzvah of Shabbos. You know, something that for you ties it together, but that's an action. And every time you do that action, that is a materialization of your inspiration. It reminds you of that moment of inspiration, and it turns it into something tangible, which keeps it going. And this, that's a very, it's a powerful sort of secret of how to harness those moments of inspiration, is to hold them down. Was that a... Okay, it's uh, it's it's late, so let me. One last point then before we wind up. Unfortunately, sorry to say we have not actually finished the lesson on mezuzah, <laughs> and we've mixed around like various aspects of mezuzah, including wrapping back around to the beginning, which probably should be the last thing we learned about mezuzah. But anyway. Chavivin Yisrael, the Sifri, the Yalkutzet brings down. Chavivin Yisrael. See, if I said this at the beginning, it would just sound like trite. Chavivin Yisrael, beloved are Israel, Shechavivan HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'mitzvos, that Hashem loves them with mitzvos. Like he hugs them, expresses his love for them with mitzvos. To fill in on their heads, and on their arms, tzitzis on their clothes, and a mezuzah in the doorway. Which is very similar to the other medrash, right? That whoever has these things, we assume he hasn't sinned. We used almost the same language, but what a different angle to it. The same thing. You got these mitzvahs? Look what a sign of love. Look what a hug that is. For Hashem to say, I, I'm going to tell you how to hang on to the inspiration. I'm going to tell you how to keep it alive and aware in your mind so you won't forget. That, that's just love. That's just a present. Because he could, he could tell us, you know, it's enough you gave us the inspiration, like you hang on to it. <laughs> what should I also, right? That's just, just love. That's just a hug. So if we can feel that when we see our mezuzah, or touch, right? Touch a mezuzah, even kiss a mezuzah, right? Thank you. This, thank you. You want to remind me 
that you love me and I love you and you're the creator of the whole universe and that's all that really matters anyway. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I sometimes forget to... That's okay. It's uh, Learn 